Welcome to the Fem Powered Podcast. I'm Julieta Durante, menstrual cycle nutritionist and hormone whisperer. And I'm Nat Martin, menstrual cycle coach with a passion for all things premenstrual and periods. This is a podcast to help you navigate the world using the menstrual cycle as your compass and guide. We'll be chatting to industry leaders and women who inspire us on everything from money to sexuality, business to hormone health. Honestly, the list is endless because the menstrual cycle shows up literally everywhere. But let's be honest, we live in a world that wasn't built for and doesn't value the menstrual cycle. We are here to change that. We're here to help you learn new things about your cycle and inspire you to bring them into your life so that you can show up in a way that honors your natural rhythms and enhances your inner power. It's time to stop feeling guilty about being inconsistent and struggling with your cycle. So if you're ready to unpack its gifts, let's dive in. Hello and welcome to the Fem Powered Podcast. Today we are doing talking all things PMS. So we're going to be going into the hormonal reasons for it. We're going to be covering some things we can do to support ourselves nutritionally, but also exploring the other sides of PMS, which is really kind of Nat's thing. I mean, I love it too, but I know that you you are like you really love the the, the PMS field and really challenging a lot of our concepts on it um, and we were originally going to do these episodes separate but then we were like do you know what no let's do it together it may, it'll be more fun so yeah I can't wait to get stuck in before we do obviously we'll do a little little check-in our cycle day check-in so hello lovely Nat how are you and where are you in your cycle <laughs> <laughs> so hello I am good I'm on cycle day 57 which might sound familiar that's because we recorded this on the same day as another one however um a little bit of time has passed since we did that and I am now feeling hungry <laughs> I just had a couple of toasties and it's just it hasn't satiated my hunger at all if anything it's made it worse so my my day fifty seven experience at the moment is like, <laughs> <laughs> but otherwise the PMS theme though the hunger in PMS right that would be kind of like that it's that kind of like gnawing in the belly where you're just you know like it would be one of those days where I could just graze all day you know and I wonder if that's linked to your progesterone levels without getting too geeky immediately mm. but progesterone is the hormone that does impact blood sugar balance right and we can feel hungry at that time if we're cycling you know that luteal that inner autumn phase but also you are now having that really big increase in progesterone it's the hormone of pregnancy so yeah I wonder if you're having one of a progesterone day <laughs> and actually something that I didn't think about because I haven't had it for like since I've found out I was pregnant I couldn't really eat it anymore was I had um porridge for breakfast mm. and it was quite a sweet one I have to admit I put in mm. like a lot of maple syrup and coconut mm. um and yeah whenever I I hear you talk about blood sugar then I always remember like oh that's quite a not very savory breakfast so maybe that's also why I'm now like just give me the food. <laughs> uh, very interesting. Yeah, I'm I'm not a porridge fan at all for me personally. Like, and in a lot of my clients, you know, I think there's a bit of a myth around it being this amazing blood sugar balancer. It depends on you 100% and sometimes also what you put on the porridge. But for me personally, when I've measured my blood sugar, it's actually thing that spikes my blood sugar the most out of everything, which is crazy, right? Like I always like to say, I even tested when I was doing the monitoring, I even tested Bailey's and porridge was worse than Bailey's. So no way. Bailey's for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost Christmas. So that yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, right? Oh, so, wow. Anyway, that might be another conversation yeah. for another Goodness. day. I feel yeah. like we might need to do a whole blood sugar balancing episode. Oh my god! That, yes. Yes. Oh, yes, wow. 100%. How are you? Where are you at in your cycle? Yeah, I'm good. Uh, day seven. So again, we've already recorded an episode, but I've also shifted a bit since we spoke earlier. I've taken Tilly out for a walk, and it was a very slow, frustrating walk. So I'm a bit like, oh, but I'm also a bit more tired now. Um, I think it's it's been a busy week, and. Yeah, I'm just catching up. We're recording this on a Saturday and I'm, I think I just need a bit of downtime. But it's this build up to Christmas gets a bit like hectic, regardless of whether you're having a big Christmas or not. 
I feel there's a collective energy at this time of year, which I also love, but it's a bit tiring. So it's like, okay. And I think I just need a bit of space today to just, I really want a nap. So you're starving. I'm knackered. So <laughs> Woo-hoo, We are sounding like we are very PMSy right now, aren't we? <laughs> Even though neither of us actually are, but we're no. actually vibe. That's great. Yeah. Hilarious. Um <laughs> So yeah, I think, like we said today, what we wanted to start with is maybe I'm going to just do a little rundown of what's happening hormonally during this time. Because I think, you know, once we understand a bit of what's happening hormonally, then at least it gives us, we're not thinking we're going insane. We have biochemical reasons for it. And that kind of, I feel, can really help with the process of navigating this time. I mean, like Nat, I am not someone who believes PMS is a curse. I believe there is a lot that can be, you know, sort of like, learned from this time and it's a it can be a space for growth and there's a space for really examining why we shouldn't feel emotional and all of that which we are going to dig into um but let's start with the hormones basically the main you know the reason for for pms is an imbalance in our estrogen and progesterone on the second at the second half of our cycle and usually what it is is we're not producing enough progesterone so progesterone is the hormone that gets released about 7 days after ovulation because the body doesn't know at that point whether you're pregnant or not it just has to assume that you might be and in preparation for pregnancy, we release progesterone that makes the womb lining really juicy and it's a hormone of pregnancy. Um, and then if, you know, once the body has worked out, it's not pregnant, then progesterone will start coming down. But there's always this window. Most the, the theory around PMS is that it's that time when progesterone, there's something happening with that progesterone. It's either gone too high. It hasn't been produced in enough quantities. So, for example, if you haven't ovulated, you probably won't produce progesterone because that's the chain, right, of of hormonal cascades throughout the month. So it's usually it's usually that there's too much estrogen and not enough progesterone because progesterone is the calming hormone. Estrogen is the woohoo and caveat that's not for everyone we don't always feel like that but in theory and then progesterone is the one that comes along and calms everything down so when we don't have the progesterone it's almost like i like to imagine it like you know estrogen's a bit of a like woo party girl and then progesterone is like this big kind of like bouncer that comes and hugs her at the end of the night or something and it's like okay now you need to chill the fuck down kind of thing <laughs> what clubs do you go to where the bouncer hugs nice bouncers in my, in my head to, yeah get out normally like get the fuck out maybe like a nice friend or something at the Love end that brings the coat and goes do you know what let's put a coat on and let's go home now (laughs) get you home party's finished you know like ovulatory party is over (laughs) i love that imagery where that came from to be honest with you but (laughs) yeah so and if that's not happening if that progesterone isn't there then obviously estrogen can carry on unopposed you know and that can cause the mood swings um anxiety all of these kind of things However, there's also a type of, some some women actually have what's called a paradoxical response to progesterone. So what that means is, in theory, most of us should feel calm on progesterone. There are women who feel agitated on progesterone. It can happen quite often. Women who have PMDD, their receptors behave a bit differently. Their brain receptors behave differently. So, for example, progesterone works on a, on a receptor in the brain for a chemical called GABA. GABA is like G-A-B-A, gamma, GABA, aminobutyric, blah, 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 acid, whatever. Um, so GABA is one of the neurotransmitters, one of the brain chemicals that calms things down. So if you've ever heard of, you, we've all heard of Valium, right? Like the, the, the benzodiazepine drugs that calm our brains down. Basically, Valium works on GABA receptors. It's the same feeling. It's that feeling of calming us down. So in most people, progesterone has this really lovely calming effect. But in some women, it actually causes agitation. That's why it's called the paradoxical response to progesterone. And we see it quite a lot, like I said, in PMDD and in women with pretty bad PMS. So that's really important to know sometimes because we might be like, oh, it's a progesterone deficiency. And maybe you might be tempted to raise your progesterone or buy like a progesterone cream online or something you know, and you could make yourself a thousand times worse. So just being careful and being aware of that. But so that's the the biochemical thing. But thing is, lots of things can affect progesterone, you know, like 
it's not necessarily just that you haven't ovulated. Of course, that's a big, big thing, but it could be um, that you are mega stressed. And when you're mega stressed, your progesterone production, your body doesn't really give a shit about babies and pregnancy and stuff your body is just trying to keep your your stress hormones alive right so you may have that you're just not having enough of a progesterone peak kind of thing um, or you may not have ovulated because you were stressed so that's one thing you could be lacking some of the materials the raw materials needed to make progesterone like magnesium is a massive one we have you know we're very magnesium deficient if we're not getting enough magnesium that could be a cause b6 is another one that's very important for progesterone production vitamin c so if you diet's a bit like depleted if you're super stressed you know drinking loads eating processed stuff all this stuff can kind of be kind of like things to throw at the fire the pms fire basically so you know and and sometimes the, 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 it's such a spectrum right pms it's like we can just have like it expresses itself very differently in everyone it can be unbearable or it can be kind of you know like a couple of days when we feel a bit different and things like that and that's like because it's our receptors reacting differently to the hormones it's in it's it's what's going on in our, in our lifestyle and everything else so it's this huge huge i feel that pms is almost like a place where you can be like hmm you know people say that your period is your report card for the month how you've done hormonally lifetime but i actually feel the luteal phase so that week before period 10 days 14 days whatever I feel that's more like a report card sometimes. That's the place where it's like, oh, I've really maybe pushed myself. Maybe I need to pull back a bit. You know, it's just affected by so, so many things. But if we just summarize hormonally, it's pretty much an estrogen progesterone imbalance, usually too much estrogen and not enough progesterone in a nutshell, basically. Wow, that was so interesting. Like, goodness. I have a question. Yeah. This paradoxical response, is that something that can be tested? Not really, or... no, no. It's um okay, so it it does sometimes come up kind of in the Dutch test, the the hormone testing that I do with clients because we actually have different metabolites of progesterone. So that means progesterone gets broken down into different chemicals. Mm-hmm. You get the alpha metabolite and the beta metabolite. And what you see sometimes in some clients is when they have a real imbalance in one or the other, that's kind of a clue sometimes, but it's not. And it's interesting because it's sometimes a lot of the alpha metabolite is the one where we're thinking potentially that's causing the the, the issues that could be paradoxical. But quite often it's it's really you get it from just listening to somebody's story, listening to, to like what's going on for them. You also sometimes there tends to be like a sort of family link. So if you hear that other females in the family have had really awful pregnancies, you're like, okay, that's potentially it. Um, Or people who had very, very bad PMS and sometimes have really amazing pregnancies, not at the beginning, but like in the middle, like it's it's a really, really hard one to kind of pinpoint. But it's just always bearing in mind we're all biochemically different, our brains are different. And like, you know, just what works for one person just doesn't work for someone else. Interestingly, Mm. with the paradoxical progesterone, there are studies to show that actually once you really like, and and I can't, I don't do this, by the way, and no, no nutritionist in the UK will ever prescribe these like a hormone like this, we can't, right. But what I'm saying is, this is if you were to work maybe with a, a hormone replacement therapy doctor, or maybe somebody in the States, if you're listening in the US or Australia, it's kind of different. But there are studies to show that women with paradoxical progesterone responses, if you really increase the dose, like really shoot it up, they feel great. But you've got to go super, super high. So it's more at the lower doses where they feel really, really crap, um, which is really interesting. Right. But it's got to be done under the care of somebody who knows what they're doing and really, really supports you. But, yeah, I think it's just in a nutshell, it's just always be aware that even with something like progesterone where we're like progesterone is a lovely hormone it always makes you feel good blah, 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 blah. there is a section of the population where you will feel agitated panicky and like i said sometimes this is seen in pmdd quite a lot there is a progesterone paradoxical element there as well not in everyone with pmdd either by the way mm. i know it's not the same but what i'm as you're speaking, what I'm being reminded of is 
what our experience of ovulation can be like mm-hmm. sometimes you know everyone talks about estrogen being this like amazing happy hormone that makes us feel great and everything else but we know that there's a lot of people who really struggle yeah with their ovulation and I'm is there anything that's kind of like similar in terms of how you know how some people relate to estrogen in this kind of paradoxical response or is it something that you know I mean we know that it's a very regular thing because we experience it and we you know we share this on our our Instagrams but Mm. I think most people don't know that it's a kind of common thing to feel like that is there any evidence about yeah it doesn't have a yeah no that's a really good question so there isn't a term for like paradoxical estrogen Mm -hmm. uh, but there is definitely a lot of anecdotal evidence about ovulation being challenging one of the reasons can be that the body is trying to ovulate but not quite doing it you know because you can have multiple attempts at ovulation actually for many many reasons so that and that can really create that feeling because you're not quite doing it so you're kind of and then crashing mm, crashing right so it could be these multiple um, attempts at ovulation it can also be to do with our receptor sensitivity so don't forget that hormones have to dock onto receptors on every cell and some people just have a greater sensitivity to hormones than others Mm. Um, you know like I sometimes will test someone and when they're talking to me I'm just like oh this sounds like you know really really estrogen through the roof and then I test them and the estrogen is absolutely fine in fact it's maybe low and I'm like oh okay you know like, I don't get upset anymore because I've happened many times so I'm okay about it but you know mm-hmm. at the beginning I'll be like oh my god what do I do with this person because the symptoms don't tie up um mm. and and then it's like you know I, I've really researched into it and and time and time again it comes back to this sensitivity to the receptors responding to the estrogen so for example maybe in you or me when we ovulate one estrogen molecule can feel like like 20 do you see what I mean? The effects can feel like 20. Um, it's also got to do with how we detoxify estrogen. Some of us, can it flows really, really nicely out of our bodies. Others, there's blocks in the liver because the liver is like, I think about the liver as like one massive motorway, you know, like those motorways in LA where they're like, I'm coming up yeah. with all these amazing um, analogies. I don't know where they're coming from. I think it's the tiredness. <laughs> But it is like, you know, those massive motorways with like 20 lanes on either side. Mm. That is essentially what the liver is. And there's all these hormones and all these chemicals going through. And for many of us, the the, the, the actual lanes where estrogen is flowing, there's roadworks, basically mm. pretty bad roadworks, right? Um, and that can also build up. And, and imagine if at ovulation, you're producing all this estrogen, but it's not leaving your body it's just going to make you feel pretty awful, you know, like, because estrogen has to flow. If it doesn't flow, it just, it's not, you know, like everything, we, we need it in the right amount, not in too little or too, too, too much or whatever. So, so yeah, in answer to your question, it's a little bit different with estrogen, but I think the core message is the same. It's like, you may feel differently to what everybody else is saying. And your, you know, your estrogen peaks may not feel like anybody else's estrogen peaks. And that can also change throughout your life as well. So just having that awareness always, you know, like, and noticing, like, I have some good ovulations and some terrible ones. It's not even like, I can't, you know, sometimes there's no, there is no pattern. And that's, being okay with that is also quite important. Yeah, thanks for that. So like, what, if someone feels like their their PMS is a hormonal thing? Yeah. Um what can they do like you know how how, what do they do (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. well I mean there's you know you can do a million and one things but I really think starting with basics and I'm going to touch more in a a, a later episode on the basics for for eating for hormones right like the basics but you know like just doing a little kind of audit of your life and being really honest with yourself like how are you eating? Are you eating a lot of sugar? Are you eating a lot of takeaways? Like I really, I honestly feel almost like the the takeaway Deliveroo Uber Eats world is taking over like the sugary foods thing when it comes to impacting hormones, mainly because of the fats and the oils that are used in restaurant foods. You know, they are so toxic for our hormones. And, and, you know, I don't like labeling food like that, but honestly, you know, really have an honest assessment, um, you know, with yourself about 
how you're eating and just, you know, start eating a bit of protein for breakfast. Maybe, you know, just increase more veggies. Just keep it simple. You know, if you want to go into supplementation, magnesium. Get a bit of good quality magnesium. Have some Epsom salt baths. You know, take magnesium in the evenings before bed, like a like a good form. And I can also one day, I think I want to do one on um, an episode on choosing supplements. I think that's quite a good one, just what to look out for. But um, get a good quality magnesium. You know, go to a health food shop. Have a chat with someone there. Get a nice one. Don't buy one from a supermarket, please. <laughs> like that's going to cost you two pounds. It's costing two pounds for a reason. Um, you know, I'm sorry. Like we need, you know, you're just going to be buying chalk or shit basically. So um, get a magnesium, maybe a vitamin C. Get some of the the raw materials for making progesterone, which is basically the magnesium and the vitamin C. And those are two that you don't really need to have like you know, work one-to-one with a nutritionist to go in really, really deep, you know, go for about 400 milligrams of magnesium, get a good quality vitamin C. I like the liposomal ones, which means they are in a fat-based liquid and they absorb better, get a good quality one, have like a spoonful of that a day and just give yourself these kind of little raw material kind of things. But also think about your stress, you know, like it's a huge, huge, huge one. And you know, I'm sorry to mention the word nervous system regulation. I think this might come before or after when you expressed your extreme, Nat expressed her extreme dislike for this word, and I get it. Um, Not dislike. Just <laughs> fed up of hearing it. It's a valid it. word. It's just yeah, one of those things you hear a lot. I know, I, I know, I know. Music. It is important. Um, yeah, so I think it's just because it's everywhere, and but it, it's testament to how much of an issue this is, right? So really be very realistic about your stress. And I know we can't always just go, okay, well, I'm just going to go meditate, whatever, blah, blah. I get that. But sort of rewinding back to food, eat enough protein that your body can make hormones with. You know, that's that's a big one. Eat the protein so you can make the hormones. Like, you think about your good fats. Think about your cholesterol. A lot of these hormones are made from cholesterol. It is not a baddie. It needs to be in the diet. Get some eggs in. Feed yourself with the raw materials, you know? Like, maybe you can't do a lot about your stress. Maybe it's not your fault. Maybe you've got, like, a a, a troublesome teenager at home. I mean, I have a couple of clients dealing with really difficult teenage children at the moment. You, you can't do anything about them, you know what I mean? Like... <laughs> So what do you do? You support yourself in whatever way you can. So I think those are kind of some of the main things to think about. Yeah, just just keeping it simple, just trying where you can to eat as well as you can and putting in these couple of nutrients. Um, and then if, if there's no changes, maybe taking it a bit further, you know, it, and also having that, right, can I... Can I work with this at another level, which I think segues beautifully into what you are going to start talking about now? Like, you know, is this I don't want to use the word bearable, but is this like manageable? Can I like start inquiring a bit more? Can I lean into this a bit more? How is that? Because I feel with PMS is a lot of it is the resistance and all the stories we've been told that it's bad and we shouldn't cry and blah, 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 blah. And that's a big piece of this as well, because you might find that when you stop resisting it and you're okay with having a good old cry or you're okay with like yelling at your partner or whatever, that actually it's nowhere near as bad as you thought it was. So I think that's a big, big, big piece to this. Yes, eat your veggies, eat your protein, eat your eggs, get some vitamin C, magnesium, do an Epsom salt bath. But over to you, my lovely Nat. (laughs) (laughs) That was smooth. I know. (laughs) That was a smooth transition. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing all of that because I think, you know, a lot of people maybe don't have like the the knowledge of actually what's happening in their body during um, that phase in their cycle and the reasons why they might be feeling certain things, at least on a physical level, right? Because, you know, PMS for some people might be the sore breasts or the bloating or the water retention or the migraines or whatever but there is also this other side of PMS and um you know it's I for me I look at PMS as I think first of all I think I like to get really specific with like actually what are we talking about when we're talking about PMS Mm. because I think that there's a tendency to be like I have PMS and it's this thing that I have but actually, like PMS, they're premenstrual symptoms, right? 
or you can also classify it as premenstrual syndrome mm-hmm. and a syndrome is a cluster of symptoms so mm-hmm. I think when you're looking at like what's happening with me from a emotional psychospiritual or mental perspective understanding first of all that this is not like one big thing mm. that's happening to you and I think it can feel like that for people it's like every time I get to this point in my cycle this happens and it's like this huge thing but actually there are lots of like little separate things mm. And so for some people, it's going to be really, really helpful for them to know like, ah, okay, magnesium, vitamin C, like these are things that might actually help, like what's happening in my body. But as you said, there's a whole other side to this, Mm -hmm. um, which I just love. I find Mm -hmm. it just like so deep and juicy and varied. Essentially, the luteal phase of our cycle our inner autumn our premenstrual phase is really it's really a time where the focus is very much on us right so you know especially when you're coming from like having pre-ovulation and ovulation where we're a little bit more outward facing and we're with people and we want to do things this is like for some people it will maybe feel like falling into a like a well or something it's like we've been up there partying and now it's like poof, you know um and that's because our attention like it's now on ourselves and there's a few I've heard a few really interesting um explanations for this and one of the ones that really made the most amount of sense to me was the analogy of if you look at your cycle as an evolutionary um product for you to essentially procreate right mm-hmm. so you have you know you've had your period and then you have your pre-ovulatory phase and your ovulatory phase which is really about going out there your body getting ready to to recreate to reproduce you're starting to feel outgoing you want to be with people because your body needs you to be with people if you're or at least with someone yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to get pregnant you know we become more charismatic we become more attractive the Mm. thing the people that we're attracted to actually changes like the smells Mm. that we like they actually change so there's this kind of like I'm stepping away from my inner world to go and meet somebody and go and hopefully get pregnant yeah then we come to the luteal phase and as you said like you know there is this this bit of time where your body doesn't know yet Mm -hmm. like have I been fertilized am I now pregnant Mm -hmm. and you've got this kind of like two week for some people it's two weeks for some it's less but you've got this kind of window of okay like I could be pregnant now yeah so now the focus is it's it's not about anyone else anymore it's about what's happening inside of me am Mm -hmm. I now creating another human which is a bloody big thing to do Am I satisfied with my life, um, you know, in a way that I can actually raise this child? And it can be really hard to like suddenly have been like out there and looking at everyone else to now suddenly looking at us with this potentially huge life changing thing that's about to happen. Mm -hmm. And I really liked that analogy because it just kind of gave a bit of a for me, it gave like a little bit more of a primal background reason as to why we get more judgmental more critical why everything Mm. has to be perfect why we can't stand things that we wouldn't have cared about before I really loved that explanation and I think whether you know whether you like the explanation or not the fact is like we are starting to to turn back around on our cycles we are coming back in towards ourselves in preparation for menstruation yeah and I don't know, (laughs) but I feel like a lot of people, if you were to ask them, like on a scale of one to 10, how happy are you with your life? I don't know that the answer would be like 10 Mm. for most people, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. It might be that for most people, it's kind of like six, seven, and that's fine Mm -hmm. most of the time. Yeah. But when you do fall down that well, And now you are in your premenstrual phase and you're starting to turn back in on yourself. All of these like questions can come up. Like, what am I doing with my life? I hate my job. I hate where I live. I'm not happy with my partner. Why did I decide to go back to university? 
I can't stand the dog hair everywhere. Like things that we just wouldn't care about anymore actually become really amplified because that like those three or four points of what we're not happy with in our lives, we're now focusing on them, whether we want to or not, Mm. our psyches automatically turn towards them. And Mm. so for me, there's this whole side of of premenstrual stress symptoms syndrome whatever you want to call it pms that is a lot to do with a combination of disempowerment Mm. and mindset Mm. and by and with mindset i'm also including the inner critic in there as well Mm. there is this you know when you're so busy with what's happening outside you don't you know like do you really about what's happening in your life that's why so many of us like numb out with things we numb out with drugs or alcohol or food or television um and if you think about the year the seasons of the year you know spring and summer we are outside as much as possible Mm -hmm. we're soaking up the sun like life feels good it's warm it's everything is abundant and fresh and mm. and then autumn and winter it's like it's bleak there's maybe not so many things to do you know and we do like we we automatically start to turn inwards Mm -hmm. we want to be cozy we want to you know we start to come back in towards ourselves and and it's exactly the same in the cycle so things that can very often come up and that do very often come up are feelings of of just wanting to get the hell away from everything from everyone And as you said, like, I also feel like this is a report card time of the cycle because all the things that you've been avoiding and being distracted by, you know, like, oh, yeah, this is so great. Being distracting and avoiding and procrastinating. Now it's like, oh, well, actually, have I been taking enough care of myself this cycle? So things like I need to get away from everyone. I can't cope with this. There's too many expectations on me this can be a lack of boundaries, for example, or spreading yourself too thinly in those times where you feel great, but suddenly you're now like, I just don't have the capacity (laughs) for all of this. And now I need to run away. Now I need to end my job, leave my relationship, Mm -hmm. switch, you know, switch majors in uni or whatever I don't know Mm -hmm. um so boundaries is one of the things that comes up that's very often linked to um that kind of feeling of just like wanting to get away um this feeling of wanting to burn things down to the ground and start again Mm. um which I see very much is to do with being on the maybe not on the wrong path but being out of alignment a little bit like how we were talking with Jess um you know that feeling of like this isn't fitting me anymore and I can't ignore it anymore and so there comes this like you know I'm gonna chop my hair off or dye it bright pink or yeah whatever the inner critic huge at this time everything is wrong you're wrong I'm wrong my house is wrong (laughs) like you know and not just wrong but like really really criticizing we know the inner critic can be incredibly harsh because it just gets to a like a a part of ourselves that nothing else can and that's because it's it's a part of our psyches that it knows us so well and the reason why it can it can really affect us and really kind of like poke us so deeply is because it's poking us at an aspect of of something that is not correct yeah and something that we don't want to hear but Mm. we know deep down inside may well have like at least a little bit of truth in it yeah yeah and that being like I love working with the inner critic because it's like having your own your own coach and when I work with people and I'm working with the inner critic it's everything always always comes down to a point where they are not living their truth Mm. or where they are avoiding they're avoiding something that that's actually really important to them and their life Mm. and their development and their progression and their career or whatever it is but that they don't want to hear Mm. and kind of being swept away by the 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 really frankly horrible voice (laughs) that can tell them like you are not good enough 
you're too thin, you're too fat, you're too stupid, you're too smart, like whatever it is. So there's like so much that's going on in our emotional worlds always, in our energetic worlds always. Mm -hmm. And I think that by the time we get around to the luteal phase, the premenstrual phase of the cycle, like there is nothing left for us to to give, right? From a biological perspective, you can't get pregnant anymore. So you don't need to give anything anymore. Now it's like time for you to actually stop and look and and perhaps even going to take mode. What do I need to take for myself? Um, And so for people who are like, you know, coming up against premenstrual, like their premenstrual phase and with feelings of like high inner critic or I hate my life, I'm in the wrong place. I want to run away. You know, like those kind more emotional, spiritual, or self capital S issues. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really helpful to to actually look at you know your life as a report card in that phase of your cycle and see like okay, especially if this is this like repeated issues that keep coming up mm-hmm. every cycle or every so often. Um, what is it like? Yeah. What what are you not wanting to to deal with? It's that point of resistance. Where is the resistance coming from? And then, you know, you can go into like the, the, the work that you need to do with that, the embodiment work, the empowerment work and so on. And it's so funny because as you're saying this and you've done it again, you've read my mind. Um, you have reminded me of what we talked about in the pleasure embodiment episode, right? It's the yes. same thing. Yeah. It's that point in our life, our lives that we are resisting. It's where the growth lies. It's where the magic lies, the one that we resist, the the pleasure, the resistance to pleasure. It's probably going to be quite similar. PMS, your inner critic might be teaching you exactly the same story, exactly the same lesson. So how interesting is that? And really what I just wanted to add very quickly was I always talk about because to actually let's go back to the hormones again, but the way they have this psychosocial effect, you know, so estrogen is a people pleasing hormone because you've just said it right. We want to go out there and we want to find someone who's going to help us make a baby. Whether you like it or not, that's what's going on. Right. (laughs) Consciously, you may not want a baby ever in your life, but subconsciously or biologically at least that's what's happening so we're people pleasing so it's it's that like we're like you say it's all the outward stuff it's like yeah of course blah, 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 blah. but it's also the um the state in which society loves a woman to be in the people pleaser you know what I mean like yeah we love you to be a people pleaser mm. that's what that's what society loves a nice fertile young ovulating woman who says yes to everything right. So then when we bounce out of that and we're in this progesterone fueled, you know, um, soup, (laughs) you know, and we're like, well, I don't like you and I don't like you. And, you know, the person that helped you make the baby or might help you make the baby two weeks ago is basically the devil incarnate now. (laughs) You know, and it's, it's because it's almost like beer goggles, right? It's estrogen goggles. You're like, oh, I love the world, which is lovely, but it is a bit beer goggly. And then you take them off and you see things for what they really are, or you see another side to them because they're both valid. But it's like, ah, okay, so this is how I feel about this. And, you know, it, it really circles back to what we were saying in the pleasure episode, you know, where are the truths here? And the inner critic, what is she telling you? What are we listening? And what I was saying earlier as well is there's that piece, that resistance. It's like, oh no, PMS, oh, I hate it, blah, 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 blah. If you lean into it just a tiny bit, like for anyone listening next month, if you know, if you are in this kind of mood, just stop for a minute and just see, see, see what what's coming through. Just see, you know, because for me, really, I think, you know, I spent years helping people work with their PMS and been great you know I've, I've been I've, I've liked to support people with balancing their hormones but for me the game changer was when I stopped resisting my PMS and when I started saying to my clients do you know what let's go a bit deeper you know let's have a bit of fun here let's see what's happening you know when it's that from 
for, for, for me and my clients has been the most liberating moment because then, you know, they'll go away and um, oh, I'll get a voice note from one. And it's like this month, I'm really going through it. You know, like I went into the laundry and I just screamed for two minutes. And then I came back and I looked at my little girl and I just smiled. But I felt so good, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Rather than the, oh, I'm a shit mother because yeah. actually I want to bloody punch my toddler in the face, which people have shared with me before, by the way. That's not me yeah, being yeah. really like, you know, and that's all okay. They're, they're all these, like, again, it goes back to shadow emotions, shame, mm. feelings that we have around always wanting to like be in love with our partners or our children or our families. Like, that's not realistic. We're human beings. We're multifaceted. Relationships are complicated. Mm. And this is where the that premenstrual, you know, all this lives. And I, I love that because the, the minute we just open it all up, it's like, oh, this is a journey to take yeah that, that that's exactly the reason why I love it as well because it is so rich and it is so deep and it is so varied and it is like I feel a point in our cycle where we we really get to meet ourselves really mm. which is why it can be that kind of like oh no no I don't want to like oh I just want to like uh, I hate my PM like you know there is that like running away from it because it's huge right like I feel like probably the biggest thing you can really do in this life, even if you do have children, is to actually be like who you are here to be and to actually be yourself. Because, you know, there is this part of of human nature to want to be like everybody else and, you know, that safety in a tribe and everything else. But so often we can lose ourselves in it. And then on top of that, we've got like all the patriarchal crap. So I think that actually like, you know, looking after yourself and first of all listening to yourself it's it's so huge and I feel like we know that I feel like that's where the resistance come from just like we were speaking about in the pleasure episode like we know that like we are gonna have to do some big things potentially right mm -hmm. if you are having every premenstrual phase massive massive like anxiety and anger and frustration about your job because you just you, you just hate it and it eats your soul and you don't get on with your colleagues and you're it's the wrong thing for you like deep down you know yeah you know what that means it might mean like taking a pay cut it might mean you know finding another job it might mean having to move like countries it might mean going back to study like it's it means that you have to do something. It means that you have to face a reality about something, which we are really good at like doing ostrich impressions and just putting our heads <laughs> in the sand. And the more you do that, the more things amplify and the bigger the PMS feels. So mm. yeah, I love that. I love that example of your client just going into another room and screaming or like you know going and screaming into a pillow or something because it I feel like we with with I feel like with PMS and with lots of things we put so much story around the way that we feel and actually sometimes there isn't a story sometimes we just are frustrated and we just need to scream it out and then we can like oh come back and be present and ready for our families absolutely I, I love that. I really love that example. That's someone to me who is, you know, really taking responsibility for for themselves oh. and modeling that it's okay. Like it's just feelings. It was you such know? a good moment. Like it was just like, you know, because it was all like, I feel so guilty. <laughs> she was sharing me. She's like, I swear she's doing my toddler's doing it to wind me up. I swear she knows. Like, and all this. I'm like, well, she probably does, to be honest with you, because they know how to push buttons in a way that <laughs> no. And um, I was like, well, just go and scream. And afterwards she was like, Oh my god, that feels so good. Like doesn't mean anything in the bigger context it's just this is where you are you need to scream you are you know you've probably lost your identity a bit you've been bringing up a toddler you are you're not working at the moment you're literally with a two-year-old the whole day who throws pasta at you and things like that if you were with another an adult who did that you would have strangled them by now you know what I mean yeah yeah <laughs> and, this is, and this is the thing I think it's it's the a understanding that these feelings are allowed and b um, having the permission to do them yeah and this is something that comes up so often in the premenstrual phase because we are conditioned to be always in that people-pleasing estrogen fertile available nice friendly 
blah blah um you know caricature that we are expected to be in and so when you do get to the premenstrual phase it's like you know but that's not who I am right now and I think a big part of the work is like reclaiming that and first of all being okay with you know the fact that we have these two sides to ourselves that we've got the people pleasing let me look after everyone but we've also got the like I need time for myself absolutely yeah so that's what I love it I love the I think the premenstrual phase is just so rich I agree I agree I mean I I love it now I really really love it you know I had my challenges in the past but now I'm like oh bring it on you know I love those moments when I'm a bit like angry or like you know there'll be like a silly example was recently like for me there are certain things at home like I'm quite a visual person so I need to have a nice environment and then like my husband will go and tidy things up and they'll be like don't put that there I <laughs> you don't understand how much I love to sit here and look at that thing there you know what I mean like and it, it's at the core of my being and he's like okay <laughs> do you know what I mean but I'm like this is really important to me like and if you do, if I didn't have this knowledge I'd be like oh my god I'm neurotic but I, <laughs> you know and I probably am but like I'm like no do you know like this is something that's really it makes me so happy when I sit at my laptop on the other side of the screen usually and I'm looking out the window that there are certain things placed in a certain way that brings me immense joy when they are moved or tidied that crushes my being and can't explain it like <laughs> it's a really silly example right but it, it just brings yeah. me so much joy so then that's where all that happens so even something as simple as that can be really 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 deep and I actually just wanted to say as well when you were talking about you know the PMS and 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 jobs and things for anyone who hasn't listened to the episode we did with Sophie Jane Hardy in, in mm. I think she was like our third guest right like she really her story was all about struggling resisting the PMS and eventually one day going I'm living in the wrong country I'm in the wrong relationship and I'm in the wrong job yes like, if there was ever a PMS story <laughs> 100% definitely recommend going back and listening to that because so that, and that's that just, is a perfect example of what we've been talking about yeah today. yeah yeah so oh I feel God. like we could we could talk a lot again we'll probably do another one on this but you know I suppose in terms of how we're going to wrap up what are you feeling into what is like what could we say in terms of you've got PMS or if you are um you know I think I would say to anyone who feels like they're struggling with their their premenstrual phase is to really try to come at it a little bit objectively when we're talking Mm -hmm. about like the mindset side make a list of the things that are really bugging you right Mm -hmm. even if they seem really small and stupid and like insignificant because that is how you can start to work with them to understand that your body like your you know the the emotions that you're feeling they have a root there there is a reason why they're there so for anyone I would say for anyone who's struggling with their premenstrual phase and they kind of you know maybe they don't know why or maybe they do have a little bit of an inkling like really just like use that report card example. Imagine that you were had to write <laughs> a really good exercise. Imagine that you had to write a report card for yourself, yeah. for your life. Do one, design one on Canva. Yeah, that's great. I'm like, <laughs> do that. Um, but yeah, like think think about your life in that way, and just you know, be honest with yourself. It's not any. You don't have to do anything with this list yet. Like probably yeah. it's even better if you don't. Um, but just make that list or that report card and then usually that's already enough to Mm. get things rolling to have the awareness of like what is bugging you that's usually enough I think so that's what I would suggest like start from there and you know there's a ton of resources out there I'm available I've got a lot of information on my Instagram Mm. on my blog Mm. um there's lots of people out there with really good information about what to do in your PMS phase but really it starts with awareness I think I love that I um I came across a phrase recently I went to this little get out nine red tent circle and the guest on there was talking about being an interested observer so when you've got these things you kind of go hmm you know like that's you you take a little step back but you go okay here it is you know rather than like oh anger oh, can't be angry you're like okay here's the anger why am I angry interesting yeah. 
oh you know and I think that's a really lovely way to add into what you're saying like just have awareness around it you know really and you know we did talk about the hormonal imbalances at the beginning and of course that was so I would say you know tick all those boxes as well right like put it all together so that you know you you know that you're doing the work but never feel bad about having I think there's a lot of judgment around that like it's a bad thing to have PMS don't feel bad nourish yourself in the best way possible you know I've got loads of resources and stuff as well I've got meal plans for hormone balance all of this kind of stuff but just because you're doing that doesn't mean that you may not have PMS because there could be all these other things going on. So bring it all together, you know, and do all of the work, the nutrition, the mindset, the inner critic, befriending your critic, the interested observer and have fun with it. Because honestly, I think for me, the biggest shift is that when you start having a bit of fun with it, you know, you're like, oh, OK, this is interesting. And it just completely shifts. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, okay. Well, that was a good one. I think probably we'll do, we can do lots of, I mean, there's so many PMS things like. Yeah. And I, actually to say that, like, you know, if you're listening and this, you're resonating with all the, the things that we're talking about today, um, like do feel free to to reach out and like, let us know what your, your premenstrual experience is like, um, yeah. how you deal with your PMS, because it's different for everyone. You know, the symptoms that you have will be different for everyone. And this is a how we learn. Yeah, like we've, we we both love this phase of the cycle. We could come up with like, you know, 100 different episodes on it probably. <laughs> but it's definitely going to be way more interesting for, for us and for you as well, probably, um, you know, if there are like real life examples. So please do feel free to reach out if you're kind of, you know, you want some advice. And if it's something we can you know share on the podcast um because you're probably not the the only person who's experiencing that in that way. I think the sharing thing is really important because it goes back to again another theme we've talked about in other episodes this feeling of am I the only one is this normal blah 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 and that goes back to the silencing of women and all of that as well right so let's share let's normalize let's do all of these things you know t definitely share with us I mean and we, we could even maybe do an episode on that one day just sharing you know your worst PMS thoughts I once saw somebody ask that on on their Instagram stories and I thought that is such a fucking good idea like, Ooh, like anonymous worst yeah. thoughts let's let's bring all the shadows out let's talk about yeah. them right like like I said wanting to strangle your toddler perfectly normal yeah yeah oh, great idea <laughs> all right then so thank you as always my lovely Nat for a great episode you are my PMS mindset and queen in general I love everything you do and your website has loads of really good stuff I've used your inner critic questions before I love those they're really good yeah, likewise um, thank yeah. you and um yeah we will see you again soon for another episode yeah bye, bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please help us spread the menstrual cycle love by rating and leaving us a review and sharing this with anyone who you think needs to hear it.